0: Hello, this is Michael Fanning with the Windermere Coaching Minute. This is our short-form podcast, where we'll be interviewing Windermere agents who bring creative ideas, power strategies, and successful routines to light, all in creating epic client service and work-life balance. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Fanning, and welcome to the Windermere Coaching Minute. This is our short-form podcast where we talk about power strategies, successful routines, uh, and just ways that agents are being successful in today's given market. And one of the things I wanted to talk about today is the power of communication and what is effective communication, and hopefully give you some strategies on how we can be better listeners, how we can use um, certain dialogues and things that we say that allows us to create stronger relationships. And this comes from a book uh, that I've been reading recently by um, Ariana Huffington called uh, Your Time to Thrive. And specifically, some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about today comes directly out of chapters two and chapter six. And chapter two is just talking more about, you know, removing distractions from our life and being more present. And chapter six talks about better communication and relationships. And if you think about our business in real estate, if you really think about it, you know when we interact with our clients, um, buying and selling a home is some of the biggest decisions people are going to make in their lives, one of the biggest decisions. And for them to have clarity and for them to have confidence and for them to trust us, we have to be good communicators. And the unfortunate part is, is that not all the time are we great communicators. Uh, and you know, humans are hardwired to connect. We are hardwired to connect. And so there's a lot of power in just being an effective communicator. In fact, uh, we did a podcast not too long ago with Diane Terry uh, out of the Lakeview office, and she just talked about the power of communicating. Uh, and uh, we can reference a few books that she talked about as well. So in this book, uh, Your Time to Thrive, uh, there were some things that they, they really uh, talked about. And so I just want to kind of touch on those as we go through this. And so if you think about it, in order to be able to solve a problem, which if we think about good, strong communication, when we're talking to people, all of us have what we call pain and pleasure, right? I have things that I talk about with you that are pleasurable to me. And I have things that I talk to you that possibly are pain. And either way, right, when you want to create value, so if you want to become valuable to me, you might have a solution that enhances my pleasure or solves my pain, Um, that you would suggest, not something that you would tell me about, but you might suggest. So one of the things, if you're going to solve somebody's problem or provide pleasure, uh, the first thing you have to do is you have to identify what that is. And we don't identify it through assumption. You know, I will tell you that a lot of times we make assumptions about a lot of things in our lives. And when we're listening to other people talk, many times we're assuming what we think they're telling us based on our our confirmation bias, our judgments, our assumptions. Uh, When the reality of it is that we may be completely off base because we're just not listening well. And so we don't help people through assumption. We help people through what we call viable listening. And so great communicators aren't necessarily people who talk a lot, but they're people who listen a lot, right? It's about hearing. And what are we hearing? Well, the key is we're hearing the subtle and we're hearing the hidden. You know, um, when there's things that go on, uh, a lot of people aren't very direct about a challenge or something that they like. And through uh, asking the right questions and listening carefully, we will hear the subtle and the hidden. And so how do we accomplish that? So I want to walk you through a few things that we uh, want to help you probably better accomplish being what we call a better communicator via better listening. Well, one of the things, and we'll touch more on this as we get uh, further in this podcast, but much of our communication today is centered around technology, which is unfortunate. And I'm not a, I'm not a down player on technology or a naysayer when it comes to technology. I text and email just as much as everybody else does. But I will say that it's not an effective form of communication. I'll give you some more information around that shortly. Um, but when you're having a conversation, let's just take the technology, just the phone itself, right? And if we take the phone itself, A 2017 study found that just having our phone nearby or on us at any given time uh, reduces the amount of focus that we have on the people that we're with. It also creates a level of anxiety uh, because we have this fear that something might be happening that we're missing out on. So it takes away our focus and, you know, and it actually puts us into this world of multitasking, whether we know it or not. And our brains are not wired to multitask. And when you're multitasking, really, if you think about it, multitasking is just doing two things poorly. So if I'm really uh, thinking about my phone and what's going on there, but somebody's talking to me, I'm not really hearing what anybody else is saying. And so how engaged are you in conversations and how well are you when you're having a conversation with somebody? How well are you at removing distractions? And basically, uh, for example, taking your phone and putting it away or not even bringing it into the meeting. In fact, there's a lot of uh, companies nowadays that when they do uh, company meetings where they're gathering in a face-to-face environment, uh, there's no phones allowed, right? I mean, you can't have your phone with you because we know just by having it with you, uh, there's this, it's compulsive. We just want to look at it. In fact, studies show that we will pick that phone up almost 128 times a day, And we get distracted and to get back on task from that distraction can take up to 25 minutes, right, for our brains to to come back and be focused. And so if you think about it, our phones are with us 24-7. We take them everywhere. In fact, there's a new term out there. You might be aware of it. It's called fubbing. And that's when you snub somebody with your phone, right? So how many of you have been fubbed? Meaning that uh, I'm talking to you, and then I get uh, I get uh, put you know down down second command or whatever I get I get moved down in the importance line because now your phone go- went off and you feel that you need to uh, take the phone call or respond to the text or or do something right. And so, don't be somebody who's fubbing other people. And so those are just right off the bat if you want to be a great listener I guess my my biggest key here is how well are you at giving full attention and focusing. And so a couple of things about that is that we want to think about when you're focused uh, a couple other key components are one is there's different types of listeners. And what we have is we have what are called active listeners versus verbal listeners. And so let me tell you the difference here. So an active listener right? There's not a lot of speaking that goes on from an active listener and they're engaged and they have verbal cues or physical cues that allow them to be engaged. So for example, when you're talking, you might say, mm-hmm, I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm nodding my head and I'm having eye contact with you versus verbal listeners. A lot of times what verbal listeners do, there's, there's little engagement that's going on when they're acknowledging what's being said. And what they're really doing is they're composing a response in their head, Because they're just going to respond. They're not actually going to listen to understand. They're really listening for the sake of responding. And the challenge there is that if you're trying to compose a response while somebody's talking, you're not hearing anything that they're saying, and you're not going to pick up the subtle and you're not going to pick up the hidden. It's just not going to happen. Uh, It's kind of like uh, I give you an example. It's kind of like if you've ever been driving in your car. And you're heading somewhere and you're multitasking. So maybe you're in deep thought about something else, or maybe you're even glancing down at your phone or fiddling with something in the car and you get to your destination and you don't actually remember all the turns and where you went. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this. This happened to me the other day. It's because my brain kind of checks out and it's not able to focus on two things at once. So it's going back and forth, back and forth. And just my ability to just uh, have an understanding of detail goes out the door, right? It goes out the door. So the key here, a couple things, remove distraction, be a person who listens to understand, not listens to respond and really focus in and really be connected with those individuals. And I'll tell you, there's some people that are just really, really good listeners, but, um, Being a good listener actually takes practice. It also takes being aware and conscious in the moment to tell yourself, hey, I'm engaged in this conversation. I'm going to be fully focused and engaged, and I'm going to listen intently. In fact, one of the things I like to do uh, that helps me listen better is actually take notes. Um, I'm a huge note taker when I'm talking to people because I also want to make sure that I remember things. And some of the things that I want to remember, if you're a good, good communicator and a good listener, what you do is you pick up on the subtle and the hidden and you remember it and you bring it up the next time you see somebody. Uh, I know that uh, there's a, a specific uh, latte stand that I go to on a, on a regular basis and uh, they will pick up on little bitty things. So maybe uh, on a Friday, I was getting my latte and they said, what are your plans for the weekend? And I let them know what my plans for the weekend are. And then I see them on a Monday and they go, oh my gosh, so how'd that fence end up for you? how did you build that fence? And what it tells me is they're really engaged and they're really listening. So how many of you have noticed a small little thing, whether it be somebody's birthday or a special occasion or something they were doing, and you brought that back up in the next conversation, right? So are you are you just remembering the little bitty things and giving, because we all have this need to be significant, right? To be significant in somebody else's life. And when we do that, it's very, very interesting on how we uh, give you more equity because you have... Given significance to us, so just just think about that uh, in regards to how you're communicating and how well you're you're listening and you're listening for the subtle and you're listening for the hidden, and are you making record of it? That's a big thing, and I, I like to call it um, we call it a ninja fording and recording. And what fording and recording really means is that what I'm doing is that when you're talking, right, I am writing down things that are going to be uh, next action item steps for me that are going to help me better engage and build a deeper relationship with you. Because at the end of the day, the way relationships get really strong and I trust you more is how much you are really engaged with me, not how much I'm telling you about me. Hopefully that uh, you follow me on that one. All right. So we're remembering the little things and And keep in mind, we all have had experiences like this where somebody has remembered something about us, and I want you to go back and just think how that made you feel. Think how it made you feel when you uh, when you were talking with somebody and they brought something up from a previous conversation that was significant to you and they remembered it. think about how you felt about that individual when that happened right It's very, very important to keep that in mind. The other one I want to touch on here are some simple things, but they're Phrases that I hear people say a lot, specifically in uh, business settings a lot of the time, um, which is what we 're talking about when we 're interacting with clients, that maybe we could not say any longer, and we could just have a different a different dialogue or a different way of saying it. So I want to go through a few of these, and these come up in the book as well. so one of them is um, how many of you uh, have said for a gentle reminder or in an email you say gentle reminder' You know, when you say gentle reminder, that's passive aggressive, by the way, because it's not a gentle reminder. You want them to act on this now, but you're saying gentle reminder. and You know what? It creates stress and anxiety to the person reading it. You know what? Let's give you a better way of communicating. Here's how you're going to communicate. Be clear and be direct, okay? Be clear and be absolutely direct with people. So don't, you're not going to do a gentle reminder, you're not, going to, uh, you're not going to be passive aggressive. You're going to be very direct with somebody. You're just going to tell them what it is that you're trying to accomplish. What is it you're trying to do? And so one of the ways that you might do this, and I'll give you an example, is you would say this, I understand you have a lot on your plate, but I need to hear back from you on this today. That is clear and that is direct. Right. That is what that's what that's what I want you to accomplish. That's what I want you to try to do is to be as direct as you can and not be passive aggressive. The next one is this. Uh, We hear this a lot and I'm guilty of this. I do this a lot and I've realized I need to stop doing it. It's does that make sense? You're talking to somebody, say, hey, does that make sense? Um, What you're doing there is you're you're actually making a statement to them that maybe they're not equipped to actually understand what you're saying. When you say does that make sense. And so one of the ways we can uh, we can change this is we could say uh, what additional information would be helpful to you, or one of the ones that I always hear and, and Larry Kindle does this a lot when he's in class teaching he'll say, uh, are you following me. Do you follow me on that, right? Are you following me? Meaning that, 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 that what I say, that's a, that's a different way of saying, does that make sense? But are you following me? And then we say, well, it, I'm not clear on this one piece. Okay, let's go back. Would, would additional information uh, be helpful on that particular topic? And so keep that in mind. The next one is this, uh, and I hear this a lot. That's a no-brainer, right? That's a no-brainer. Um, that's kind of, uh, you know, that's saying to, to you, if I said that that's a no brainer, it's like, well, you should just know that. And then what it does is it makes people feel, feel inferior at times, or wow, I don't want to ask another question. Cause I should have known that. Cause he said, that's, that's a no brainer. Um, instead of saying that's a no brainer, why don't you say that? That makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. That's a better way of saying it. Um, the other one is this, uh, as most of you already know, I hear this all the time. People are talking to a group and so, say, well, as most of you already know, um, we don't need to say that because you know what? What if somebody doesn't know? And they're like, oh my gosh, I was supposed to know this. I didn't know this. And now I don't want to ask you a question because I'll look stupid. Drop the precursor. You don't need to say, as most of you already know, drop the precursor and just say what you have to say, right? You don't need to put that in front of anything. And, and we hear this all the time. So those are some things that I, I think are important. It's just subtle little things in how we use words and how we say things that are really impactful. Again, this comes out of the, um, the chapter six in the book uh, where they're talking about how to be a better communicator. <music> Hey, everyone, this is Michael Fanning, and with me is Eric Thompson. We're with Windermere Coaching. We thought we'd take just a moment to let you know a little bit about maybe how to get your feet wet into coaching with Windermere Coaching through the Windermere Path. Eric, tell us a little bit about the Windermere Path. So the Windermere Path gives you a call every week. You can join live or you can watch the recording. One of three things happen on those calls. You get a specific lesson that's taught by you, Mike, by Doug Simcock, by me, or Nick Hansen. The second thing that happens is we do live interviews with your Windermere colleagues. So you can hear right from them about how they are implementing all the tools that we teach them in coaching so that you can be inspired by their story. The third thing that happens is you get to ask questions of us, things that are happening in your business right now, in your world. We help just to keep you on the, on the ninja path. Hey, Eric, it sounds like a lot of great content. So listeners, if you're interested in finding out more about the Windermere path, simply go to windermerecoaching.com. Click on the Explore button, give us your name and your email address, and we'll get back to you with all the information you need to get started on the Windermere path. Thank you so much, and we'll return you to our content. So I want to talk a little bit about compassionate directness, and they talk about this in the book as well, and it builds a solid foundation for communication, for relationships, understanding, and trust. And so if you think about having uh, compassionate directness, you know, a lot of us don't like unsolicited advice, a lot of us don't like constructive criticism, but if it's compassionate in the way we deliver it, and we deliver it in a medium that's very well understood, it can be taken, uh, it can be taken well. And so um, the key component uh, to being compassionately direct is mindfulness. And the mindfulness is basically what medium right what medium of communication are you going to use where this message can be best received and so what we do is we think about this you know if you think about the way we talk to people there's face to face right there's voice to voice and there's digital communication and the litmus test really when we think about compassionate directness means if this message can be taken out of context right if it can be taken out of context then what i want to do is i want to make sure i deliver it in the best way i possibly can and so if you think about that, most effective communication is dealing with tone, pitch, and tempo, and body language. And there's a study out there that talks about this. It says that, you know, and I, I'm going to go back to the beginning of this podcast when I said, you know, we live in a world of, of, unfortunately, tremendous amounts of digital communication. And what they said was, and when I see text, so I text on my phone or text and email, my understanding of what you're trying to say to me is about at 7% right right around 7%. And we all know this. I mean, how many of you have received an email that was taken out of context? How many of you have received text messaging where you have to decipher what they're saying because they're not even using full words. They're using, you know, uh, emojis and acronyms, and we don't even understand it. I have a funny one. My, I have a, a 17-year-old son, and I was on a, a group uh, text with he and some of his uh, buddies going on a camping trip. And I had put a bunch of information into the text, and I got a text back that said t l d r and I was like, "What on earth is that?" And My son looked at me and he said, "Dad that said too long didn't read right and so you know text and email are are easy I get that and and they're convenient, but sometimes they're not great uh great communication tools for uh, making sure that everybody understands specifically what you're trying to say. If you you add tone, pitch, and tempo, so if we can add voice, so now if we can communicate using voice, do you know that our understanding goes up another 37% on top of that 7% in text? And so we have more effective communication. So that's why things like voicemail, right? We're talking on the phone, those types of things where it's more powerful communication. If you want to have a 100% understanding where things don't get taken out of context, you've got to add the third ingredient, which is body language, the way my face looks, the way my eyes look, how I look when I'm saying something. So again, that adds another 56% to the communication. So the most effective communication, if you think about it, is face-to-face which unfortunately in today's world doesn't happen as often as it should, because we have become a victim to digital communication. You know, uh, I'll just text that to them. I'll just email that to them. No, pick up the phone, pick up the phone and have a conversation, have the ability to get in front of people, right? Have deeper relationships via face-to-face communication. The other one is this, when it comes to communication, a couple other areas I want to touch on is um, what we talk about really good communicators, really good communicators know how to ask questions. We call it the Socratic method. You know, if you ask enough questions, you will get to a solution. Um, And what they said is that poor communicators in the course of a conversation will only ask roughly seven questions. Really great communicators in the course of a conversation will ask between 23 to 27 questions. And the key to those questions is simply this. Your next question is embedded in their last answer. So I'm not asking, I don't have a list of questions that I wanna make sure that I get into the conversation. My questions follow the flow of the conversation. So if you answer something, then I respond with a question based on the last thing you said. And some of the things when we're asking questions, one of the phrases I like to use a lot is tell me more about that, right? Tell me more about that. The other one is making sure that we're asking what we call open-ended questions, not questions where people can have a single word response, but where they can have um, you know, longer types of conversations. So we call them the W and the H questions, who, what, when, where, and why, those types of things. And so, for example, if I said to you, uh, do you feel bad today? Do you feel sick today? I can say Yes. How are you feeling today is a very different type of conversation. So I don't want to ask you questions that give you a one word that allow you to have a one word response. And, and a lot of times those happen because we make assumptions. Oh, are you sad today? Yes or no? Or how are you feeling today? That's a very different type of question. So open, open ask open ended questions. Uh, And the other thing, too, uh, when you're when you're communicating with somebody, uh, there's a couple different things that we want to think about when you're having good conversations and good communication is that remember the conversation uh, when we talk about um, time of possession. So who has the time of possession, who's doing most of the talking And when that talking is happening, it should not be about you, right? Conversations are not about you. They're not about what you're going to tell somebody. They're about what you're going to learn about somebody else. And there's three areas we see where people uh, fail in communication. And one of them is the people who we call toppers. What's a topper? A topper is somebody who, when you tell a story, right, you tell the story in a conversation, they have a better story. They go, oh, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Let me tell you about the time that I did that. Or let me tell you about the time that this happened to me. Don't be a topper, right? Do not be a topper. The other one is responders. People who just want to respond to whatever you said. And then responders, a lot of times, responders are what we call fixers. And they want to fix the situation by providing advice, right? And here's what I'll tell you. If you are going to offer advice, Here's some things that you might want to have as precursors. Would you be open to? Always ask permission before you give somebody advice. May I share a story with you? Or would it be helpful if? Don't just dive in and try to give people unsolicited advice. Again, would you be open to? May I share a story with you? Would it be helpful if? So try to avoid being toppers, try to avoid being responders, and if you're going to be a fixer, ask permission, okay, ask permission. So let's look at the bottom line to what we talked about today. The bottom line is first is read the book, read the book, uh, Your Time to Thrive, specifically chapters two and chapter six, but a couple things here, uh, communication starts with focus and removing distractions, right? Remove the distractions, identify what's distracting you, and be focused on your conversations. Again, uh, notice the the hidden and the subtle, right? Always notice the hidden and the subtle and make note, forward and record, write it down so you can bring that back to a future conversation where people have felt significance. Ask open-ended related questions. Remember who, what, when, where, why, and how so they don't have a single response. Limit your time of possession. So you should not be the person doing all the talking. And if you are talking, it should not be in the form of you telling me about you. It should be in the form of you asking me about me. Remember to listen to understand, right? So don't be a listener to respond. Don't be a fixer. Don't be a topper. Listen to understand. Have compassionate directness. Meaning that, you know what, if there's a a crucial conversation going to happen, be direct about it. Remember the things we talked about that you want to remove from what you're saying and have the most effective communication you can have, and that is face-to-face, voice-to-voice. I understand that text and email are things that we're going to do, but really identify, run the litmus test, and say, if this can be taken out of context, And guess what? I'm picking up the phone or I'm requesting a meeting. Hopefully, you found that helpful. I want to thank you all again for listening to our podcast, The Windermere Coaching Minute, If you like what we're doing, let us know. Please feel free to share this, and we'll end this like we end all our other podcasts. Be awesome and help somebody and make it a great day. Thanks, everyone. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you found this content interesting, please feel free to share it and give us a rating. Also, if you're a real estate agent with an epic idea and you're doing something great to create great client service or work-life balance, or maybe both, please reach out to us at fanning at And we always end our podcast by saying, be awesome and help somebody and make it a great day.